Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. This is Mellowed Out Patrick. <laughs> Pat gets a couple of suggestions saying, oh, I like NPR Pat. NPR, like Pat, NPR Pat is so cool. It's because we're swimming in the Watsy money. They've uh, purchased the Facebook page for a nice six-figure sum. And uh, Jerry is swimming in Boston Market as we speak. And I'm just buying more Dogecoin. So. L- literally an Olympic-sized swimming pool filled with gravy. <laughs> I will say their mac and cheese actually isn't half bad. Yeah, so that's the that's the most I'm going to say about Boston Market. That's the best thing I can say about them. Spiral mac and cheese. That their Hell their yeah. mac and cheese isn't half bad. So they they've they've not destroyed one of the easiest dishes to make. So good job, Boston Market. Oh man. So how you been, Jerry? Hot. Yeah, it's been warm. We had a we had a knockdown drag out podcast with uh, Eternal Dirtles last night. It was like a, it was a real round table last night. We had like nine people on the cast. Yeah, two hour two hour record session last yeah. night. It went fast too. Usually I dread those long podcasts, but that was really fun. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Early shout out to the uh, journal Dirtles dudes and congrats on their 200th episode. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, they're not in the three hundreds like us, but you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll get there one day. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, those guys are awesome. We had such a good time. Uh, got a, got a chance to catch up with guys like Cyrus and, and, and Nate and stuff. So and it was just all, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eric was there and, uh, and Joe Dyer and obviously eternal guys. So, guys it was great it was a fun time so shout out to them jerry you said uh, in the pre-show you've been playing a lot of uh uh what vintage masters draft or whatever modern masters draft no so get this pat i love cube i love oh cube okay. pa- powered cube more than anything and i saw modern horizons 2 was coming to magic online so like i i booted up magic online because i've mostly been playing actually paper magic lately Mm-hmm. I, had, I hadn't booted up magic online in a couple of weeks and I see, Oh, the vintage cube is back. I can't wait to join. So I, I hop into a vintage cube league and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do so many vintage cubes. Like I'm going to blow through all my tickets. And as soon as I join the league, I get the little pop-up warning from magic online saying, uh, please finish <laughs> your, oh, no. uh, your, your cube matches before the league ends. And then I look and it's like three hours from now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, man. oh, damn it. So I had to power through uh, three vintage cube leagues at like three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but I got it down. So I only got one vintage Cuban, but it's okay. I've been doing just nonstop modern horizons drafts. I've done, mm-hmm. I've done seven modern horizons drafts so far. And Pat, I have four squirrels in every single one of them. Oh, really? How's that going for you? Pretty good. Actually. Yeah? Squir- squirrels are actually like tokens in general are actually pretty powerful in the modern horizons uh, draft format. There's a lot of, like token generation and getting value from tokens. So like green, blue tokens and then green, black squirrels are both very powerful uh, draft archetypes. Mm-hmm. And if you can, uh, so basically whichever one of those is more open, I go for, but I basically have every green card in modern horizons now. Cause I force it every single time. <laughs> nice. Nice. But it's a ton of fun. I will say the, uh, the black green hybrid squirrel is an absolute limited bomb. Oh yeah, you were saying yeah. What what squirrel is that? 
uh, I forget what it is, but it's uh, it's black green for a one one. Whenever you sacrifice an artifact or creature, put a plus one plus one counter on it, mm-hmm. and then it has pay one green black uh, to sacrifice a creature or artifact, I believe, and it's uh, draw a card and gain one life. Really? Okay. So you, so you do is that. Is this ravenous squirrel? Yeah, ravenous squirrel. Okay. And then so you combine that with a. Uh, uh nut shot the uh the uh the grape <laughs> shot uh make for making squirrel tokens you just make a whole the, bunch it's of, not actually called nut shot is it it's it's got like chattering storm or something oh okay that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got say. it's nut shot it's nut shot everyone 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 knows what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> so you use that you make a bunch of squirrels uh there's also the five drop it's like three green black for a two two when it comes mm-hmm. into play put two one one squirrel tokens into play that's also very good uh, so between all those, you just pump out a ton of squirrels. Uh, ravenous squirrels gets huge when you eat them all. And then you have squirrel sovereigns to give them plus one, plus one. And it's just a ton of fun to draft. I've nice. I've been loving it. So uh, I haven't played as much legacy this past week because I've just been jamming nonstop modern horizon drafts. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, playing some paper legacy in the next couple coming weeks. We got all those local stores opening back up. So I'm very excited for that. Hell yeah! Talking about doing some leaving a legacy open too. Yeah, that that announcement will be coming soon. I'm 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 hoping we get to uh to scoop all the other uh, organizers and we get to run an event before uh, the legacy pit <laughs> and before uh, Jeremy's tournament in uh, October. I'm gonna try to get one in August. So you know we'll we'll, we'll preempt them and people get a, a snapshot of the paper metagame before their their tournaments to inform their decisions going into uh, larger events, more prestigious yep. events. Yeah, we'll we'll be the practice event for all the events that actually matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Hey, you know, <laughs> you take it when you get it. But we have a great guest on this week, Jerry. I don't want to keep him waiting in the wings any longer. Uh, why don't you introduce our our our, our co-host here today? Yeah, I'm super excited to have the one and only Rich Callie on the cast tonight. Welcome, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. It's going great. It's been a long time since we had you on, man. I'm, I'm we Jerry and I were thinking about a guest this week and I was thinking about Ragavan and I know you uh, are a, pro- a proponent or at least a a fan of the card. So I thought you'd be great to come on here because Jerry and I are both of the mind that that card is hot garbage. But uh, but we're always willing to discuss, uh, you know, differing opinions. So <laughs> Rich is number one monkey fan. He's I am definitely number one. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. <laughs> I love all, all things ape and monkey, so I'm here for that. <laughs> exactly. Apes together strong. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, before in the pre-show, you were saying Ragavan uh, might be the best monkey of all time, at least tied with Simeon Spirit Guide. Yeah, well, see, Simeon Spirit Guide, the one thing with Simeon Spirit Guide is that you're not casting it often, right? You know, yeah. like, it, it's making its mana, so it's kind of doing, like, it's like a Lotus Petal impression. So maybe it's, like, the best, you know, the second best flower of all time. But that's not even true, because, like, <laughs> you know, you, you, we have Black Lotus, Lotus Petal, and then maybe Simeon Spirit Guide. But I'll, <laughs> I'm going to give that the number one slot. You know, I'm, I'm going to drop my official stance here. Uh, my favorite monkey, I'm just going to go on record and saying it is Gorilla Shaman, AKA Mox Monkey. Oh yeah. Who also just got a reprint in uh, Modern Horizons. So yeah, Gorilla Shaman takes the cake for my favorite monkey after Sneak and Show Pilots, that is. Oh yeah. Mox, <laughs> Mox, oh, yeah. <laughs> Mox Monkey's great. Gorilla Titan will always be mine. I love Gorilla Titan. That's a good he, one. 
I want a banana of, of a certain size, and whenever I want that, I'm going to Bella Titan. So. It was this big. <laughs> uh, I should have saved that for the Eternal Dirtles, Pat. We were talking yeah. about like, our favorite flavor text. That's that's definitely up there for like best flavor text. Oh, for in, sure. In for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, uh, tell us what, what's been going on with you, Rich, since uh, last we chatted with you. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this today. I guess it's been two years more than two years really wow, time for, yeah oh yeah because I, I won that open back in 2019 oh my yeah. gosh that's yeah, crazy goodness. yeah that's an equivalent it, of like 10 years in uh, quarantine time oh <laughs> maybe even more honestly <laughs> yeah no but things, things have been good i uh started writing for channel fireball which was really yep. exciting and really Congrats. fun uh, awesome. i started streaming a little bit more and everything everything's been going pretty good thinking about magic thinking about legacy a lot so uh, awesome. I've, I've really been enjoying it. I've been happy to kind of, it's been nice to start sharing uh, thoughts in a way that will like help people learn a little bit more uh, proactively. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, it's, I've, I've started coaching as well, which is also really cool and it kind of coincides with that. Oh, but nice. like the, it's really nice to kind of take a teacher role. And I really like, cause there's a lot of like intricacies that I, I think in an average game of magic um, can be kind of uh, teased out and mm-hmm. kind of exploring all that. It's just awesome. So doing it through all the different mediums I'm doing it now, it has been pretty cool, honestly. Sick. And then awesome. uh, you're recently, recently on our friends over at nineties uh, MTG as well. So got some uh, webcam legacy in as well. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, uh, when the quarantine started, I saw uh, I, I knew I knew Roland Chang a little bit, and mm-hmm. I reached out to him because I thought he was doing that. I was like, "Hey, if you you want someone else to play in this, this looks like a lot of fun." And he's put me in touch with uh, Chris, who I've been you know I, I've since met in person, and we've chatted a bunch, and you know I've just been trying to show up there whenever I can, and that, that's been that's been a great time. It, it's cool to just like watch a lot of people play Magic and like play legacy and paper during this uh, difficult time and you know everybody's coming out and having having a blast honestly so it's been really cool that's awesome sick uh so i feel we had record time for modern horizons 2 the set's not even officially out yet and people are already calling for bands (laughs) (laughs) what's uh what's your kind of elevator pitch as far as like how you view the format right now do you think legacy's in a good place are you worried are you staying and people are you know overblowing it you know what what's your stance right now it's so it's so difficult to identify exactly how the format lands because there's a couple of different ways to evaluate it i the first is like is the format fun and to me i think the form i think it is and it's hard to get a gauge exactly postmodern horizons too because um uh, it's only been a week. It's, it, it, there's no way we're going to have enough information to determine that kind of stuff this early. But even pre that, you know, with the relatively large number of Delver decks we've seen, which it, it, the numbers are very high of that. The format has been enjoyable. Like, this, it hasn't been uh, an experience like the Dreadhorde Arcanist Oko for me, where it was like mm-hmm. those games were just boring. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you play a lot of them. It was the same game over and over again. That's fine. It was just, bo- it was just pretty boring. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't really want to play it. And, you see a lot of people like have been playing this format. I mean, it's, it's exciting. There's a lot of good things happening and um, it's been enjoyable. So from that element, even though there's a lot of Delver, it is pretty reasonable. The other flip side is there is a lot of Delver. So (laughs) then the question is, 
what amount of Delva is too much? And if there, we reach that amount, like, is that even strictly a bad thing? I mean, I know a lot of people have opinions and uh, pa passionate opinions about Delva as, as they should. But the thing is like Delva, in a way, it does exemplify a lot of things that are good about magic. Like it's interactive. You, you are playing games of magic a lot of the time. And one of the counterpoints is like, oh, you know, Delva does like the day's wasteland thing and you, so your opponents aren't really playing magic. But mm -hmm. in the macro sense, Delva is playing way more magic than maybe 25% of legacy decks, like, you know, the ancient doom decks, the storm decks, all that kind of stuff. None of them are really like promoting magic. Right. And, mm. and that's fine. Like we, we all sign up for that. We all love legacy. Yeah. Um, that, that reminds me actually. So a big point, a big complaint people always had about vintage and legacy is that, Oh, I don't want to play a format that's over by turn two or three. And then the counter argument to that is like, yes, there's only two or three turns in the average game of vintage or the average game of legacy, but you still play an entire game of magic right. in those two or three turns. They're just a lot denser than they are in other formats. Yeah, it's the decisions are generally very condensed in Legacy. You, mm -hmm. you just make more decisions than pretty much, like, a decent amount of just, like, other games. Like, it's, like, twice the amount of decisions in half the amount of time yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So it's, like, there's a, there's a lot going on. And Delver does kind of exemplify that in some ways. But yeah. that being said the numbers have been pretty absurd. I mean, it's been it's been a lot of Delver, and Delver's been performing really well. And I'm sympathetic to the complaint that um, there's, like, like it, Delver's pushing out too many different things. And I, I definitely understand that. Like, mm -hmm. there's a difference between pushing out, like, all the Nick Fits of the world, which are kind of almost always exist on the fringes, or, or pushing out, like, the decks that are just kind of close to getting there, but, you know, Delver's kind of tuning itself in a way that's kind of pushing things out. Um, and then, I mean, that's just the, that's just in, like, a larger sense, too, because speaking of, you know, this, we're talking about Modern Horizons here, there's a lot of stuff going on in Modern Horizons, and it's so hard to get a finger on the pulse of, like, what exactly is going on, because people, like, of course, have the, the, the fact that Delver got you know, three really, really good threats is a huge thing. You know, Ragavan, Dragon Blade Channeler, and Moktide Regent are all unbelievably good. But there are, the other archetypes have gotten some really, really potent stuff too. People have been talking about Oza Saga nonstop on the internet. Uh, is, that's what Joe was saying last night. Like, Urza Saga is actually the real sleeper of the set. And I believe it. I haven't played against it in Legacy but I've played against it three or four times in draft and it's yeah. like insane in a limited format. And that is very much a build around me card. Yeah. And if you, if they can break, make it that insane in a limited format, I can only imagine how powerful it is in a legacy deck that's built around abusing it. Like it gets very out of, out of hand very fast. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, modern horizons, modern horizon sets in general kind of evoke a, relatively passionate opinions from people because <laughs> like the thing with modern horizon sets is the cards are exciting and there's a lot of cool throwbacks mm -hmm. but injecting that directly into a format leads to wild changes and yes. that level of power creep isn't something that everyone's always looking for all the time um and that's kind of i think one of the problems of modern horizons one and two is 
more than the cards necessarily, it's kind of where they like positioned themselves spatially in like Magic's history, because mm -hmm. like fire design started like just before Modern Horizons One with War of the Spark, and it kind of like it slowed down. It slowed down a little bit over the past few, you know, at past few months. Like six months, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's still like you know, Strixhaven came out. It heavily impacted Legacy, and now Modern Horizons come out. It's going to keep impacting Legacy, and Legacy being the format of like nostalgia and people loving their old cards. It's it's gonna have a lot of push and pull whether people um, want that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's and the the annoying part is that I'm in the same boat as everybody else. Band talk sucks. I'm over band talk. You know, <laughs> right. like we've banned so many cards, and it it makes sense. I think the last bands were excellent. You know, they banned 350 cards across two formats or whatever, and mm -hmm. that was that was a good decision. Mm -hmm. But um, like it, it really it's really unfortunate that we have to you know keep having this conversation. Yeah, at least give us time to actually play with the cards before we talk about banning them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I see. I think that's the thing because um, I, I, the most I've played of this new format has been today, and I spent all weekend kind of watching, you know, all the developments that were happening. And it does seem like there's enough powerful stuff for other archetypes that it's buffing everything else. So Delva gets a buff too, but it looks mm -hmm. like everything else has been uh, getting pretty. A, a lot of decent cards, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, Hogak's gotten some better pieces. Uh, Affinity, that's been a thing that people have been talking about a lot, which is really cool. Um, yeah. Goblins, you know, I saw food chain goblins lists uh, over <laughs> the internet today, and that's really sick. I mean, uh, it, it's hard to kind of get a, an exact grasp of what's going on. I think, it, I agree that I think in general, we need to give it a little bit more time in order to figure out kind of how things are going to shape up. Um, but people, one of people's complaints is that no matter how many of these cool decks show up, Delva can just add in two cards in their sideboard and they put adapted to the matchup. And that's, that, that is an unfortunate thing. So, yeah. Well, it's true too, because I guess this is kind of the bittersweet thing uh, about a set like Modern Horizons is because the power level is so high and typically we're used to only having like one or two playable cards from a set. Right. And, you know, recently that's been averaging more two or three, but typically we only expect one or two. Modern Horizons is injecting probably 10 plus playable cards into the format. And the side effect of that is everyone's talking about like the Ragavans and the Urza Sagas. And there's going to be so much from these other cards that isn't even going to be explored for months and months to come because everyone's still distracted by the like the superstars of the set. But like mm -hmm. I was reading your uh, your article, Rich, uh, you did a set review. And one thing you pointed out that like blew my mind, I didn't even think about it all, was combining uh, Solitude, which is the white evoke card, uh, with Squadron Hawks. Right. And that's that's such <laughs> a cool, like, I, I didn't think about that either. I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. And instantly I started thinking about brewing up like a, like an old school, like Cobblade, Stoneforge Mystic Squadron Hawks deck with Solitude. And like, that is a totally cool viable, if it had come out in another set, would be like talked about, like, and be the focus. But because it's like the B or C list card of legacy playables, no one's even going to explore this for a couple months. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's, it's an, that's an excellent point. And it's just um, it, because the, the Delva is almost always, no matter what set, whatever, whatever cards come out from sets, Delva is going to get the emphasis because of the shell is been rock solid for 10 years and it can just add in cards freely. Um, but 
like understanding how to build death and taxes in a different way in order to take advantage of squadron hawk and solitude now like that's a really interesting thing and that could be enough to make death and taxes like get enough of a buff that's gonna answer delver because in general i've found you know i I don't think i'm alone in this i found death and taxes to be tough for delver so like Mm -hmm. that there's a little push there's a lot of push and pull there so i totally agree and that's why we as you said that's why we need time to figure this stuff out yeah Definitely, because no, Ragavan got banned one week in. I mean, that would be <laughs> that'd be absurd, you know. Yeah. But everybody's like Ragavan, Ozasaga has to get banned no matter what, and you know, I mean, part of the part of the problem is also that like this talk was also transition like happening before Modern Horizons too, right? Mm-hmm. Where people were like already talking about the fact that Double was a little bit overrepresented, so it's just like the conversation's kind of flowing through that now into you know where yeah. we're at, and that's why like every so. Uh, we had our first challenges and we saw a lot of blue red Delver in the top eights of the showcase and uh, the challenges. Uh, but honestly, like, like you were saying, like blue red Delver was already dominating before modern horizons came out. Like I, I, I still don't think Ragavan is actually that good. I think you could just put a ham sandwich in that creature slot and blue red Delver would still be top. I mean, these tournaments like, like, yeah, we've seen like Sprite dragon and uh, what was that? What was that evolve one? The little blue guy. Oh, geez. Uh, we've just seen a lot of like, you oh, know, Terramander. Yes, yes, Terramander. We've seen yeah. a lot of like, uh, you know, subpar or par cards, um, uh, you know, make it make their way into the deck for a hot minute and then kind of fade away into the background. So we'll see what happens with uh, with these cards. Yeah, it's, it's personal preference. Like you can run Ethereal Forager, you can run True Name Nemesis, Young Pyromancer. Like you have 12, 12 to 16 creature slots that, you know, you can choose to put, you know, anything you want in there and it's going to come down to personal preference. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's the core brainstorm, ponder, days, force, will, wasteland, Delver that is going to win you those trophies. Yeah, exactly. I do think, I think Ragavan is very, very good. Okay. But I also think the other threats that they're adopt, like they're getting from Modern Horizons are also very, very good. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it is a little bit hard to parse out exactly where the power level is because, of, I mean, I played a double deck today that had all of them and a lot of people were playing all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Moktide Regent, them being Moktide Regent, Dragon's Day, Challenger, Ch- Channeler, and Vagaman. Um, so. Yeah, Challenger's the uh, the Delirium one drop. Correct. Yep. yep. Yeah, because we've been we've been seeing a fair bit of that as well. And it has like the uh the you know the almost it's not prowess effect, but whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you get to surveil one, which is an interesting ability as well. Yeah, it's definitely a really relevant ability in Legacy mm-hmm. too, because uh, you just chain through your spells until you find uh, your counter magic for combo matchups and stuff like that. And the fact that it flies to like it, it you don't have to rely on the like somewhat variant element of Delver. I mean, Delver's pretty well variant in general, but mm-hmm. like you know. Vo- you later in the game you just like have more one mana free free flyers uh, right to play that and that matters a lot that's Sur- not nothing yeah surveil is very powerful and i don't yes. think many people know how powerful it is because when it first came out i forget what set it came out it was like one of the ravnica's i want to say it was guilds of ravnica yeah guilds are like it just wasn't a very exciting set for legacy like there wasn't right. really any legacy playables for that set so most legacy players never played with it didn't they don't have much experience with surveil they're more used to scry and surveil is like head and shoulders above scry oh yeah it's the difference so of putting it into your graveyard versus putting it under your the bottom of your library is huge for a format like legacy where your graveyard matters so much mm-hmm. yeah definitely but yeah so to ragavan like i think to the card i i think 
it's an extremely good card and there's a lot of context in which it is a little bit too much in legacy um the the flip side so so like in the mirror right like i think that's the place that's always going to be the best because you you cast every spell you get um hitting land sometimes matters because you're wastelanding your opponent the mana advantage matters a lot there's there's no level which it doesn't kind of matter there um and then once you move down to like other other archetypes it does become a little bit more in the air as to whether it's going to have an impact in as insofar as card advantage but the even if that's not the case it always gives mana advantage which is something that i mean historically speaking delver decks have used really well mm-hmm. um you know i mean back in the days of death by shaman with like young power and true name that kind of acceleration was really potent but like while it's moved away from like these decks are not really playing that many two drops to kind of take up uh, that kind of advantage to go like your environment to plus wasteland or something like that the fact that uh with expressive iteration you can just cast it on turn two now and still get the value off of it is really nice um so even if you're not getting anything else but a treasure off of ragavan it has been really good uh, to me and even today in in the very small amount of play i i attacked my mono red chalice opponent i took one of their goblin wild masters and they did not last much longer than that and that was on turn two <laughs> So, like, it's a, it's a very potent card, but the other threats are also really good. So, mm. yeah, I guess it 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 really does depend on the deck that you're playing against it. Because, uh, right. like you said, like I feel death and taxes. Like your opponent plays Ragavan, and your death and taxes opponent goes, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you you get your two one monkey. You can swing into my Thalia, and then like for sneak and show, it's like they play Ragavan. I'm like, okay, I block it with Arcane Artisan, and then I hit you with Emrakul. It's like next right. nice monkey. But yeah, I can see, you know, like, like you're saying, like in the mirror, that is a pretty, pretty busted card in the mirror because you're playing cards from the top of your opponent's deck. That's the same as the cards in your deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so much. And I mean, and it all com- ties back into like the philosophical issues with like Delva that, you know, we a lot of people have been discussing recently, but adding in Ragavan, Dragon's Day Channel and Mugtide Regent is just like adding in three cards that are more options to add to the table. And yep. Delver's just had a million options. Like maybe there's times when Ragavan is worse than Dragon's Rage Channeler or worse than Mooktide Region or worse than Young Power Mage or whatever other card. But the fact is, like, if you want to tune your deck in a certain way, you just have so many different options to do that with, with Delver, which makes makes it feel so much more like oppressive in, in those ways. Like there's a lot of context in which Dragon's Rage Channeler is a lot better than Ragavan. Um, yeah. and Mooktide Region. Uh, you know, I was talking to some people over this weekend. They were like, that, that was the real MVP, you know, because really? it's just a massive, you know, I, I seven, think seven. Vision is the real thing. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Re- it's very strong. And Ethereal Forger is good. I mean, that card's really potent. It's a lot more fragile. And there's times where, uh, you know, you don't really need to hit somebody for seven because they'll just answer it eventually. Mm-hmm. You really want that card advantage or Forger. But again, this all plays into options. You know, if you think I'm going to play against control decks seven rounds in a row, you know, you have four Ragavans, four uh ethereal foragers or some mix of all that kind of stuff and you can kind of p- pick and choose what you're doing which um you know definitely adds to the problem how long until we see the uh the edh blue red delver deck that runs like one of each of these like different threats <laughs> oh i'm sure it's already a thing honestly yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm so i'm interested like in the kind of the tension between dragon rage channeler and murktide regent like the fact that like you know with one of them you want the you want a critical mass of cards in your library or in your graveyard rather and with the other one you're trying to exile as many of those cards as you can like do you have you found that or have you seen those becoming like you know kind of like working against each other at all 
I think it really goes back to what Jerry was saying about the power of surveil. Um, I did in my very short, like, you know, I only played a league um, previous to this. It came up multiple times, but then you just untap and you cast two cantrips and you have delirium again and you keep attacking. So like surveil is just a very, very powerful ability. So Mm -hmm. it it gets, it's pretty easy to do that. Hmm. But even beyond that, you know, another thing is like, if these are just, if this is just the Delva shell for, you know, now and the next few weeks, you know, people, this is something people can technically adapt to, you know, mm-hmm. like rest in peace, lay line the void, a lot better against these cards, you know? Yep. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, there, there definitely is some tension in the deck building there, but um, with Dragon's Wave Channeler, it's so the combination of Dragon Blade Channeler and Ragavan makes it really easy to get cards in your graveyard because obviously you surveil with Dragon Blade Channeler, but getting the mana, the treasure off of Ragavan means you can cast more spells in general, which mm-hmm. means you're getting more cards in your graveyard overall. So I guess that's the idea of velocity that you know people refer to a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of back in the uh, Deathrite Sh- Shaman Gurmag Angler days where on paper, these cards look like they shouldn't be in the same deck because they are both fighting over the same resources. But in reality, it's like you can just stuff your life, your uh, graveyard with so many stuff. It doesn't really matter at the end of mm-hmm. the day. Yeah, and that level, like that level of efficiency. I mean, back then it was just like uh, people always talked about like Bug Delver being good against like Grixis Delver back in the day because it could go bigger. But it was just like all of Bug Delver cards were two mana, and all of uh, you know Grixis mana. Grixis is called for one mana, so you just played free spells every time they him to talk to you. It was like the mm-hmm. mana. Like... <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, I mean, definitely lots of stuff to choose from. I'm, I'm like I said before, I'm mostly excited though to see where this shapes up like three months from now once we've actually had some time to experiment and, you know, the luster is worn off of the the shiny new stuff and people start exploring kind of the uh, the, the lower tier stuff that you can get some real interesting stuff out of. What what would you say is your favorite card from the set? Hmm, it's a good question. Like, I mean, as a monkey level lover, I have to say <laughs> Ragavan. Uh, you know, uh, just when I saw that card, I was like, I instantly ordered four to go in my collection, whether <laughs> it was going to be playable or not. But of course, it's good. Um, Dragon's Age Channeler is really cool because just because I think Delirium is actually a really really cool magic mechanic. I think caring about specific like having four types is a kind of fun way to kind of build decks and like fiddling around with the graveyard and the top of your deck. Like that's just like an enjoyable thing for me. So I Mm -hmm. I really like that card. Um, There have been a lot of other, I mean, I I drafted a decent amount of the set as well. And they all just like a lot of cool gems, just like hitting in this hidden in the set, you know, all the modular stuff like that, that stuff was just super fun. Yeah, doing a ton of drafts I'm coming across because especially like we always look at the mythics and rares and then it's like when we start drafting the set is when we really start paying attention to the commons and uncommons and seeing like the power level of some of those. And yeah, you're right. Like the modular really took me by surprise how powerful that was. Yeah, because I mean, at least for me, I mean, I like limited, but I didn't uh, really play doing um, mutant. That was just that was either a little bit after my time or a little bit before my time, depending on how you kind of view it but like uh <laughs> like i i didn't really play with much and the second i play against a modular card I'm, and they play another artifact creature i'm like damn how the hell do i ever stop this it's like <laughs> it's pretty cool 
So. Well, especially like for my first like three drafts, every time someone played a mechanic, because they, they don't have any of the reminder text on any of the mechanics. I'm sitting there with a like MTG wiki up, like re- refreshing myself, like, oh, what does this mechanic do again? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, man, I, Modern Horizons 2, I mean, it, not to get into a huge tangent on Limited, but the fact that these cards have like so, there's so many different keywords and ways that cards are arranged. There's like, there's like it's 10 so keywords. Hard to there's like 10 keywords in this set. It's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I like, I discarded a split card because I thought it was an aftermath card and I wanted to use the backside. And then I like looked in my graveyard and I was like, oh, I can't cast this because it's yeah. just a split card. I was like, oh God. <laughs> and then there's like eternal eyes. And oh like, yeah. Yeah, I was I was definitely Googling quite a few keywords to remind myself what they did because they're all like mechanics that haven't been printed in 10 years. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, lots of just like really powerful commons and uncommons that just haven't really uh, had much uh, exposure yet that I think is is good. Like I like uh, Bone Shards is really good. Yeah, that looks really cool. Bone Shards, like it's a bomb in limited, especially if you're drafting like the green black token deck. But like bone charge is another thing where I can see that being used as a uh, like an engine card for uh, some of these graveyard shenanigan decks. Just the fluidity of being able to choose between sacrificing a creature or discarding a card to pay for it uh, really opens up a lot of options for decks like Dredge and Reanimator and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think we actually saw uh, at least a few copies in a quick glance. Um, I just I just noticed one uh, in the showcase challenge from the last weekend. So I think people oh, really? were already adapting that. They're already playing it. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I could see it. Like that's great for especially for like dredge. It's like you can either discard one of your dredgers to get it into your graveyard, uh, or you can like sack an archibee in order to get a bunch of like bridge from below triggers. Yeah, a lot of utility. Yeah. And I th- I think like I think that's the thing beyond like all the surface level stuff that's already kind of come out and you know we're seeing affinity and delva and all that all that kind of stuff i really want to see what like um like uh a hogak luckless troll deck looks like with all these new cards (laughs) in it because people have been playing that to some success and it's it's been i I think that deck is really cool and i think there's a lot of new tools for that archetype specifically in this and i really that's something i'm i want i'm going to be paying close attention to because it seems really cool yeah, what I'm, what I think I'm gonna brew, what I'm excited to do is, um, I want to make eight walla, eight walla dot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for for basking root walla, for blazing root walla, and then like hollow ones and venge vines, and uh, just make that into a new uh, deck archetype. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> get the madness going. Yeah, maybe get some as more uh, as yeah, <laughs> Someone posted a video on how to pronounce it, and I still I watched it, and I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> Asmoanda Monica Dyson a cooler car, maybe something like yeah, that. Something like that. <laughs> That's another card that I uh, can definitely see legacy play. It just needs totally. a mm-hmm. bit of experiments uh, experimentation around. Well, yeah, I mean, should we take a look, dive into uh, kind of the top eight list, and see see what we got? Yeah, that sounds good. Well, let's take a look at the showcase. So in first place to no one's surprise uh, was uh, Stanerson running a blue red Delver list and uh, running 15 creatures, which is, I feel, well, not, it's not too high, but it's on the higher end of the scale for creatures in blue red Delver as it goes. Usually they're closer to the 12 number, but we got four Delver of Secrets, uh, four Dragon Rage Channeler, three Merktide Regent, and four Ragavan. 
Uh, and then also for new cards, we got four expressive iteration, which is from Strixhaven. Yep. Uh, this is basically almost a standard deck at the, <laughs> coming out. Coming out. <laughs> um, the rest of the deck is fairly uh, standard, though. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm not I'm not surprised in. I'm, I was actually expecting to see a lot of this uh, going forward. Is I think Forked Bolt is going to see a lot more play uh, because it's able to uh, take out multiple threats, uh, being able to split the damage over multiple targets. And now we have Delver, Dragon's Rage Channeler, and Ragavan all being one toughness creatures that you can uh, kill with a Forked Bolt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting question because um, there's a lot of good options for Delver decks to play in that slot. And mm-hmm. I think the, the three best ones um, are Chain Lightning, Fork Bolt, and uh, Gut Shot. I think all three of those kind of do something kind of like similar but different in in like other ways. Like Chain Lightning is definitely the worst, quote unquote, of them because, I mean, it does kill everything but Bug Tide Regent, but it's only one for one in a matchup that's now going to become about efficiency a lot. Forkbolt is definitely one of the best at like pulling you back from falling behind with mm-hmm. Ragavan, which is really nice. Um, but it doesn't always kill everything, uh, which could, could be a problem. And Gutshot, same problem that it doesn't always kill anything, but instead of getting you back the card advantage that you lose from Ragavan, it keeps up with efficiency, which is going to be, I think it's going to be really important in these, uh, mm-hmm. in these decks going forward. Because I think the way this deck is built is probably going to be close to like the de facto default for a while hmm. here. Um, okay. it, it, it does seem like all of the the Modern Horizon threats are good enough to hold the ground um, and until people like really adapt to specifically what they're doing, uh, I think it's going to be um, the, the way to build it. So I, I do think Forkbolt, Forkbolt and Gutshot would be like my top two to go to. Like yeah. I, I agree Forkbolt is very good. This list has two and I think that's I think that's a good deck building. So. Yeah, I will say I don't envy uh, blue red Delver players for the next few months because that mirror match is going to be all over the place and it's going to be a brutal mirror match. Like yeah. that reminds me of like going back to like miracles mirror matches and just like the smallest hairline mistake can be the difference between winning and losing the game. Oh man, I miss miracles mirrors. Oh, <laughs> I enjoyed those. Just all about efficiency and like really tight lines of play. Once you got past the turn one top, turn two counterbalance line. <laughs> In the miracles mirror it got really interesting yeah. you know what, what if that happened it was over and whatever but <laughs> so but yeah that's have you i actually haven't uh had much experience with expressive iteration yet have you played against it or played with it much rich yeah i've played a lot with that card i think it's excellent um it's not the, so it's a little bit clunky because i mean if it's it's essentially a free drop, right? So, because you need to make sure you get some more value out, off of it. And that does make it a little bit awkward, but it gives you a ridiculous amount of late game staying power. Um, and you can just like out card even control decks a lot of the time, which is pretty pretty unreasonable. Um, and even even before that, people were talking about that being the problem card, you know, that needs to be addressed in, in um, Delver. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's really, really strong. And in this deck list specifically, as I referenced earlier with Vagavan, the fact that if you just hit with Vagavan, Expressive Iteration actually becomes a two drop because you can just use the treasure, tap your land, cast Expressive Iteration, hit like one drop land, cast both of them. And just like get get nice clean card advantage that way. It's really good in the shell. It's it's extremely good. Um, so I, I've been ex- really really impressed with that. I, I think that's a good good direction to go. 
Nice. Yeah, I was I was uh, surprised to see, you know, it being adopted as a four of now. I think people were like experimenting with it at first and then they realized how powerful it was. And now it's up to the full four copies in the deck. Yeah, because unlike other card advantage cards in the past, um, like cards like Painful Truths or whatever, like mm-hmm. it, the fact that it's blue matters. Like that's just like such a legacy thing, right? Mm-hmm. But like it's blue. So you just pitch it to force it all if it's a little clunky. And in worst case, it's a two mana cantrip. And sometimes you just like do that and that's fine. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a very, very powerful card. Uh, I, I might have to try that out in Sneak and Show. Oh, that'd be interesting. I... I don't know about the hope of casting the Emrakul through Exile with it, but um, you know what? If you do that, I really want it to be John. Well, so. I just I feel I feel because you just you use it basically as your land drop. Like you right. cast you cast it on turn three before you make your land drop, and then you just like I'm playing the Lotus Petal or the land I find off the top. Right, and then the Lotus Petal is really good. Yeah, I'm like I'm throwing the uh, the Show and Tell or the Emrakul into my hand. Yeah, totally. Uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, second place, we got another blue red Delver list with basically the same exact creature suite. Uh, the uh, Modern Horizons creature suite of uh, four Delver, four Dragons, Rage Channeler, three Regents, and four Ragavans. Mm-hmm. Um, other, this list wasn't running the Forked Bolt. That could have been the difference. I, I really wonder how this uh, this finals played out if the Forked Bolt was the difference between mm. the wins and the loss. Uh, instead. Uh, this is uh, Phil Helmuth uh, was running uh, Mishra's Bobbles instead of the Fork Bolts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way this deck is built is, for a number of reasons, a little bit worse in the mirror match. Um, not just the Fork Bolts, which I didn't really think uh, plays uh, plays an important role. Uh, Mishra's Bobble is a pretty low-impact card in the mirror. Like, I mean, it helps with your Dragon's Blade channeler, but as a card, it's just kind of like, not, it's not doing that much. Um, and also the way this mana base is constructed, uh, there's no mountains in the deck. So it's just one island, four volcanic islands with three wastelands. And that's a lot more exploitable by uh, the first place list, which has the, the usual two island, one mountains, as well as four wastelands to go along with that. So it's a much more stable mana base. So I think there's a couple of reasons why it's a little bit worse in the, the mirror. Yep. And that, as we saw, ended up being the difference between the, the first place and second place. Uh, up in third place, we have our first uh, non-blue red Delver list of Death and Taxes. And let's take a look here. Uh, we have another new Strixhaven card uh, making the appearance of Elite Spellbinder, uh, which is two and a white for a 3-1 flying. When Elite Spellbinder enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hands. You may exile a non-land card from it. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may p- play it a spell cast this way costs two more to cast. And this was something we brought up uh, when it got spoiled a couple months ago uh, as, you know, definitely something that uh, death and taxes could adapt to just add more to the taxing effects. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a good card. It's um, it's really annoying to play against. And there's a lot of cards that just like, it's really, it it, it can be really obnoxious. It's weird how like a random two mana tax on a card can just make it kind of uncastable, but like it can be really hard to actually get some of those cards out of exile. As a combo player, this is actually what I'm way more afraid of than any of the new cards from uh, modern horizons, because like, it is such a frustrating experience being a combo player playing against death and taxes. And you're just like, all right, I just need a top deck of lands 
top deck of lands and I can win top deck of lands and I can win. And then it's <laughs> like, you top, you top deck to land, but the turn before they like drew another shot in port. So now you're like, all right, top deck, two more lands and I can win. <laughs> and this is just like, this is top deck three more lands and I can win the game. And like, that is enough to just put so many games out of reach. Yeah, totally. Um, but also an interesting thing with this death and taxes list too, is that it has zero modern horizons cards in it. Um, yeah. Which not only is that interesting in like a general sense, because there are good cards for death and taxes in this set, but I think it does go to show that, um, you know, if you tune your deck for Delver, like decks like death and taxes still have a pretty decent shot at beating a Delver deck, you know, mm -hmm. like obviously it lost to Delver here in the top four, but um, I'm assuming they must have played against a fair amount of double opponents in the, throughout the Swiss of the event. Oh, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's definitely an interesting thing to know. And I think that also speaks volumes to that uh, Sword of Fire and Ice is uh, solidly in the main deck instead of the sideboard now. Getting, yep. getting that main deck uh, exposure for Sword of Fire and Ice with all the blue-red Delver around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, up next, we have Mock Squirrel uh, running a uh, Hogak list. And it looks fairly standard. It uh, doesn't look like it's adopting any of the new cards yet. So fairly standard Hogak list. This is the one where I saw the bone shards in the sideboard. They have one oh, bone shard in the yes. board. You are right. They do have one bone shards in the board. You're correct. Um, but other than that, fairly standard. And I think the fact that Hogak's still putting up uh, top eight results and it hasn't even adopted any of the new cards for it yet, mm -hmm. uh, just shows that, you know, there's a lot, there's a, you know, a high ceiling that Hogak can still explore. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think it's possible. I haven't played the matchup, um, since Modern Horizons yet, but I think it's possible Delver probably got a little bit better in the matchup because now it's added, uh, four more one-drop flyers, which matters a lot because you really need to fly over in the matchup. And Murktide region clocks in so hard that sometimes you can just straight up race them. Um, but uh, again, they they do have a lot of tools that this list hasn't adopted that I'm anticipating to show up. Uh, one of the biggest ones being, uh, what's it called? The green elemental of card endurance. Is that what it's called? I think. I think. Yeah, I think it's called. endurance. Yep. I think that card is going to be a really good in this deck and against Elbow in general. So I think once people start adopting that more, it's going to be a lot more problematic. Yep, definitely. Uh, fifth place is probably the most interesting list in the top eight, I'd have to say. JTL005 in fifth place. It's almost like his name called out his, uh, his placement. <laughs> but he's running this. Uh, we've seen it a little bit before. But it's uh, it's like blue, white, good stuff, humans. Like, d does this have an official name yet, Rich? Do you know? I think Esper Vile is the way people it is Esper, yeah, Esper Vile is what it's going by. To it. And this is this is Jeff Lynn. This is the guy who created the archetype. He, he yep. always plays the deck. Always does extremely well with it. Mm -hmm. Very yep. very good magic player and very good with the archetype. So I'm yep. not surprised to see him yet. Yep. Yeah. So this is we we've seen it pop up a little bit, but it looks like he has some new toys in here, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, I haven't seen this yet. The Baron Talarian Archmage. It's a M21 card. One blue blue for a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, when Baron enters the battlefield, return up to one target uh, creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield, this turn draw a card. 
Uh, that seems pretty good with all the bounce effects. You know, he's got Teferis, he's got Soul Herders, he's got Vencers, so can definitely get a ton of value with uh, with these interactions. Yeah, and that, that card in particular does seem um, pretty good right now because it bounces Moktide Regent, which mm-hmm. uh, you otherwise can't kill with, like, Skyclave Apparition. So I think I think the Esper decks moved a little bit more towards Skyclave Apparition, um, you know, over the past few months because it, Baron did see play when it came out, but I think it was a little bit outmoded by Skyclave Apparition overall. Mm-hmm. But being mm-hmm. able to bounce like the big delve creatures is a huge game in those matchups and can really swing the waves, you know, uh, the tides of the game. So I think that's really cool. Seeing Baron come back into the deck uh, since then, that's pretty cool. Uh, in sixth place, we have RNG Specialist uh, running uh, Steel Stompy. I did probably classify this as, I guess. What would you call it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, it. This is almost just looks like a. It's it's just kind of affinity too, right? Yeah, yeah. it is also yeah. just kind of. It's got the thought monitors, which is the new cool uh, affinity card. Yeah, does it have the uh, other seven? The seven drop two to the the new mirror enforcer. This one doesn't. No. Yeah, it's not. It is, however, running the Esper Sentinel, which is also a Modern Horizons card, uh, as well as uh, N- Nettlesist. Uh, which is a, another living weapon. So let's just go down this whole list because this is uh, yeah, it's pretty a good. Pretty, it's pretty, pretty spicy list. Yeah, and Urza Saga, by the way. And Urza Saga. Four so, of those. So yeah, actually, you know, you're right, Rich. It's running the four Arcbound Ravager, and I would say that is kind of the the hallmark of affinity versus like Steel Stompy or something mm. like that. So yeah, we got four Arcbound Ravager, uh, two Emery Lurker of the Lock, uh, four Esper Sentinel, two Aether Sworn Canonists, one Ornithopter, two Psy Master Thopterist, three Stone Coil Serpent, uh, four Thought Monitor, which is another new card, four Walking Ballista, two Thoughtcast. Oh, yeah, it's running Thoughtcast. This is 100% mm-hmm. affinity. You're right. <laughs> uh, then uh, one Mishra's Bobble, four Mox Opal, four Nettle Cyst, one Retro Fritter Foundry, and two Welding Jars. Uh, and also we got the four Urza Saga and then the mana bases for uh, Ancient Den, for Ancient Tomb, one Plains, four Sea of the Cyanide, and three Tundra. This is a cool yeah, list. I love it. I love I like it. It. It, 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 looks, it. It looks really cool. It looks really fun. It looks like the kind of thing that I think sh- should kind of exist in Legacy. These kind of artifact-based aggro decks are really cool. Um, and they got a ton of new tools because they got new tools and a lot of interesting deck building decisions, you know, mm-hmm. including a bunch of random zero mana or one mana cost spells in order to tutor up with your other saga at just the right times, you know, searching up an Ornithopter when you know you have a Nettle Sist so you can equip it. That's really cool uh, technology. Uh, Vegetable Fidget Foundry gives you a lot of late game and other saga gives you so much access to that. I, I love this deck. This deck looks awesome. Yeah. And I think a lot of the Modern Horizon cards that came out, answered a big problem that was always something that affinity ran into back in the day and it was running out of gas affinity right. would dump its hand on the board and just basically look to their opponent and say all right what do you got and if the opponent had an answer affinity lost if affinity, if the opponent didn't have an answer affinity won mm-hmm. this allows you know adding in uh the um what is it the thought monitor to draw cards 
combined with the Thoughtcast, uh, combined with uh, just a lot of these other just efficient cards like Retro Fritter Foundry and other cards that we've seen over the years like Psy Master Thopterus. It's just it just there's now a, more ways to refill the hand and mm-hmm. allow the affinity deck to rebuild even after getting hit with like a board wipe like a, a supreme verdict or a terminus or anything like that so mm-hmm. um i think it the tools were starting to build up and then modern horizons was just that little extra push affinity needed to get back to relevance yeah and i think one of the really really cool things um about a lot of of the cards in this deck and what they've gotten recently is that Novod is not quite as much of a haymaker against this deck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still is very potent, of course, but the fact that if you ever have Urza Saga and they play Novod, you just make two six sixes or something. Yep. Like, that's yep. a pretty big game. Nettle mm-hmm. Sis is just a huge creature you can play. Psy still gives you all the one, the one one. Thought Monitor, you still get a two two fire that draws you some cards. Mm-hmm. Like, all of these small little things just overall make Novod a lot less effective. And the fact that Thought Monitor costs actually costs so much mana is really cool too because people are adopting cards like meltdown in the delver sideboards mm-hmm. uh, which is x and a red sorcery destroy each artifact with a mana cost x or less but being a seven drop it's pretty tough to get there so you kind of see that like technology naturally battle against what delver or other archetypes are looking to do against you and that gives a lot more saying power and it's, it's really awesome to see this yeah i noticed meltdown was in the uh the first place list and that was a card i didn't even know that existed like when I was playing against a lot of Eldrazi Stompy, I would have loved to have that card in my sideboard. <laughs> yeah, there's so many weird, like haymaker, like red artifact hate cards mm-hmm. across the Legacy's history. It's really hard to keep track of all of them. It, um, it's just, it's just cool that it can deal with, you know, it can deal with a chalice on one, a chalice on two, like, and a Trinisphere at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's 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 pretty. Uh, that is a cool card. I have to see if I own a, uh, any of those. I, I'm sure I do. Yeah. I My actual favorite so far of the new stuff is actually Nettlesys, just because it's such a strict upgrade over cranial plating. Mm-hmm. You know, cranial, cranial plating used to be the haymaker in Affinity. That was the card you were afraid of. But it was, like you said, easily answerable by things like Pithing Needle and uh, Null Rod. But the fact that it's a, a it's a cranial plating that's not only gives plus one, plus zero, but plus one, plus one, and is itself a living weapon like that's just such a huge upgrade over cranial plating i can't i can't overstate that enough yeah absolutely uh let's take a look at the next list seventh place uh bullwinkle 706705 with another delver of secrets list running the exact same cre- oh actually i'm sorry one less ragavan but almost the exact same creature suite uh running Two less expressive iteration, only running two of them, but they're using that to fit in Flame Slash, which is an interesting choice, and uh, a Preordain. That Flame Slash, I wonder, I wonder why Flame Slash over something like Chain Lightning. Like, what is a what has four toughness that can't be answered with three damage? That's a good question. I mean, there definitely are cards like Thought Not Seer, but I would not really be a Thought Not Seer in this particular configuration of the deck. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a good question. I'm I'm really not sure. Um, there aren't. I, I can't really think of any offhand. I mean, it does sometimes kill Murktide Regent. If That's what somehow... I was thinking. Maybe it's a Murktide Regent. Uh... Yeah, but if you're hoping your blue red Delver mirror match opponent only yeah. has one instant or sorcery, yeah, in that's the game, true. It's a little optimistic. 
Yeah. Totally agreed. That, that's an interesting. I, I I would actually um want to ask about that. That's yeah. I'm, really, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm interested to see what they're what they're running. Hey, do we mention that the second place list is running two Mishra's Bobble? Do we talk about that? Uh, yes, I, I mentioned it briefly. Okay, okay, okay. This, this is this looks like it's kind of the same shell. They they might have worked together on, mm-hmm. on this because they also have the one island, four volcanic, three wasteland, yes. two bobbles. Yes. Um, and I think bobble. I, I think it, it's good. It is good to talk about bobble a little bit though, because um, one of the things with bobble with the dragon's blade channel is of course that you're helping delirium but the mm-hmm. flip side is bobble isn't very good you know it's it's okay right. um, but it's not a super high impact card it's nice to see that people have kind of identified that dragon's blade channel is still easy enough to get to delirium and still potent enough without needing to stretch to cards that aren't that impactful but that was my one of my biggest concerns about dragon's blade channel off offhand it was like mm. okay do, do I have to play bad cards like Tarfire and Mishra's Bobble to make my channel look good? Right, it's nice right. to see that that's not the case, but um, you know, having two of them does increase the consistency a little bit. And it's yeah, not yeah. an unplayable card. You know? right, it's right. just a little bit below the legacy grade. Definitely. So taking a look at our final eighth place list, we have Ali running uh, lands, but I think what's most interesting and that they adopted is a uh, punishing fire making a comeback. Uh, punishing fire had kind of fallen out of popularity. Well, for you a got while. all those do- god darn ragavans running around. You oh yeah, you got got to take care of the monkeys somehow. <laughs> got to get the monkeys out of there. Punishing fire looks real good in this meta now. I mean, it's not going to deal with the Murktide regions, but it answers pretty much everything else. Uh, yeah, and, totally. You know, even even the. Um, the Dragon's Rage Channeler, it's real easy for lands to cast two Punishing Fires a turn. Uh, you know, cast Punishing Fire, return it to hand, cast it again, um, and, you know, finish off those uh, Dragon Rage Channelers. And it's honestly, uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm not uh, a master of identifying the specific nuances of why these specific cards get included in lands, but I would guess that the, inclu- the increase in number of Punishing Fires probably ties to the uh, singleton Yavi Maya Cradle of Growth that they got from this set because now Ooh. more of their lands tap for mana, so they're less likely to get choked on mana, which makes Punishing Fire a more efficient card. Yeah, so it's true. kind of like that, like, it, it, the whole puzzle kind of comes together once you're just like, okay, now I see why some of these cards can uh, get a little bit better, and that's yeah. really cool. Definitely. It, it's, I think Yamavile Cradle of Growth is an excellent addition for the format. Yep. I was really disappointed. Wizards actually put it out an announcement where people asked if they were going to finish the cycle. And they said, probably not because of all things like cards like Boil. They, <laughs> they're, they're afraid of a combo of like a, uh, a blue version of Urborg with Boil. And I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. Armageddon exists. People can play Armageddon. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I think they, I think they were talking about modern specifically. So maybe mm-hmm. there would be a chance that in like a commander product, they might do that. Um, yeah. Because they, Boil, Flashfires, and Valakut were the three they pointed out to make, you know, those cards really potent. Um, yeah, I but, can see the red one not getting printed because of Valakut. But uh, I mean, that is pretty, <laughs> honestly, that makes me pretty excited. That sounds right. really sick. But like Boil, I think we're safe to make a blue one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. It is the blue one. <laughs> oh yeah it is the blue one that's the scary one <laughs> um but yeah pretty sweet um and then just kind of taking a look here uh also we got god there's so many delver like 
Ninth place is Blue Red Delver. Tenth place is Blue Red Delver. Eleventh place is Blue Red Delver. <laughs> but I feel like this happens every time there's a shakeup in the metagame where like a lot of people just go to Blue Red Delver because it's an aggressive deck with counter with counter magic. It's the most efficient. It was it's, already it's very the best efficient. Deck it has a good clock. It's very reliable. I mean, I think it's a bit of a coincidence, not a coincidence, but it's also very predictable it's that a, all these new cards happen to be shoved in it this week. It's, self, um, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, basically. Everyone expects Blue Red Delver to be the best deck. Everyone plays Blue Red Delver. Everyone tops eight, top eights with Blue Red Delver because it's like 50% of the room going into it. Yeah, Just exactly. Statistically, it's going to get copies in the top eight. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a complicated um, topic because there is... It is disproportionate relative to the amount of people that if you went to a paper legacy event would be playing Delver. You know, you yep. certainly wouldn't see 50% of the room playing Delver if I, you know, I went to a, uh, a random legacy open that's right, coming right, up. Right. Or maybe in August, I'm not really sure. Um, but, um, you know, the, the fact that so much of legacy has been online recently also kind of skews it a little bit because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of the people who play Magic online tend to be, you know, the people who play Legacy a lot and exclusively. And this event in particular, being that it's spreading out its wings a little bit from, um, like, just Legacy players because it's a showcase challenge, which means that people really want to qualify for the Magic Online Mox events. Uh, That means that other people who don't usually play Legacy all the time are just going to look at what people deem the de facto best deck, and they're going to pick that up, and it's going to kind of skew the numbers a little bit more in that way. The flip side of all of that is that Delver is probably uh, clearly the best deck. I yeah. mean, I, I think I think it, it would be hard to argue anything other than that. Yeah, um, don't get me wrong. Uh, if if you if you lock a group of Magic players in a room with eight eight different decks and have them play a yeah. hundred matches with each, I would still think Blue Red Delver is going to have the highest win rate of all of them. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's it definitely it, it's such a complicated topic because it comes down. So much of the conversation is about like what's fun, what's too much, what's like uh, unreasonable, mm-hmm. what's giving the format identity, what's the problem with what the cards they're designing and printing. Like, there's all these different things that come into it. Um, but I, it circles back to what we talked about a lot in this cast so far, which is like I, I would like to see how it plays out a little bit more uh, because yeah. I had I am optimistic based on the coolness of some of these decks that they can adapt to um, Delver in a reasonable way, um, especially when decks that are naturally reasonable or good against Delver have gotten tools, like Hogak and Death and Taxes being um, among them. Yeah. Um, so I, I would really like to see how it, sh- it shake out. But, but besides the fact that this top 16 was uh, half Delver, which, which is a lot, of course, there, there definitely was a fair amount of innovation and cool stuff going on. So yeah, it would be nice to see it. Can I just say I feel super left out because my two decks are Sneak and Show and then Blue White Control Sharknado. And neither <laughs> of those decks got any cool toys from Modern Horizons. <laughs> all these other decks got all these cool toys and I get nothing. <laughs> they really peaked with Sneak and Show when they printed Gristlebrand. They were like, you know what? We really can't. We cannot go any further than Gristlebrand. We will never give Sneak and Show another good card. Like and that's, that- that's where we've been. That, that's the thing is like, honestly, like thinking about the sneak and show list and people ask me, it's like, if you could design any card you wanted a wizards, like, well, what would it be? And like, I honestly don't know because really there's nothing they could print that I think would make sneak and show better. That isn't just like a strict upgrade of a card that already exists in the right. deck. 
-hmm. Like, unless you give us a better cantrip or a cheaper sneak attack or a cheaper show and tell or a more busted creature than grizzle brands. Like there's honestly nothing I can really think of that, that the deck actually like needs right now. Yeah. Sneak and drill, sneak and drill, like sneak and drill is a really cool deck because it kind of permeates through, like it persists through time, right? Like it it doesn't change because it doesn't really get new cards, but it adapts to certain metagames. And Mm -hmm. if you pick it for the right circumstance, it just crushes. If you know the deck really well, you can know how to tune those certain slots and you can really take advantage of players. And and that's, that's one of the, that's one of the cool things about legacy. You know, you you have these decks that people can just play forever and it's just always going to be there. Uh, it's not going anywhere. You know, you could mm-hmm. probably take it to any random event, especially if you if people are taking decks like Hogak or Death and Taxes um, mm-hmm. in order to beat Delver. You yep. can just be like, well, I'm putting some Omnisciences in my Sneak and Show deck. I'm going to take take advantage of those matchups, and now we're going to you know shift the gears here. So. Yep. Yeah, and that's why I'm excited for three to six months from now because Blue Red Delver is probably Sneak and Show's worst matchup. So don't be playing Blue Red Sneak. <laughs> don't be playing Sneak and Show right now because you'll you'll probably get crushed. But Three to six months ago, when all these decks come in, like you're saying, Rich, like Hogak, that just like eat eat Delver for breakfast, uh, that'll be Sneak and Show's time to shine. And mm-hmm. that's how we get kind of the rock, paper, scissors meta of legacy that so many that, people love. That's I mean, that's what we love. I think I think, you know, what's a little just dis- not disheartening, but gives people pause about the format is just when you see all these new cards come in and really shake up the format. Not that it necessarily destroys any decks or brings any to the front, but it just changes the, um, you know, the uh, the makeup of a lot of decks. People get yeah. a little, little upset about that. But I think the powerhouses of the format still seem like they're in play. So that's not yeah. a bad thing. That That's the thing. Like, I feel that's when people get the most, like, disheartened with Legacy is when it's no longer rock, paper, scissors. And it instead it's just rock, rock, yeah, right, <laughs> right, 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 rock right, right. versus rock mirror matches. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things to kind of playing off both of those points is people really just want to play with the cards they love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's one of the things that people really like about Legacy. And this playing right into Pat's point, it's like when they print all these new cards and people have to add in, you know, 12 new cards to their archetype that they love forever, there's an excitement with that. But mm-hmm. there's also like, ah, well, I, now I have to move these old border foils that I've had forever, you know, yeah. to the sideline. So, so much of it is also just like, people's goals in the format it's people like what, what people are looking for mm-hmm. because legacy legacy is such a wide format you know you get the spikes and the grinders who just like mm-hmm. want to find out how to optimize for winning but you also get yep. the people who just love the decks and the formats yes. and the wacky stuff and they just want to do that so getting all this like noise and information and perspectives and how all the things are shifting and changing. It's really hard to get a feel for what mm. like is actually correct for legacy. Cause uh, mm-hmm. of course, no one decision anybody ever makes is going to, you know, satiate all the players. Right. So it's, it, it is, it is a difficult balance. Yep. Except especially in a community driven format. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just put me in charge. Watsy. I'll do what's best. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some one mana gristle brands in there. Yeah. One mana gristle brands for all. <laughs> uh well awesome. I think that's a, a good spot to kind of wrap it up for tonight. Uh Rich, thanks so much for coming on, man. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um honestly, I've been looking to jump back on a podcast because it's it's really fun. I haven't done it in a really long time and I enjoyed being on here last time. So thanks a lot for having me. This is a great time. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, man. It was great to have you. 
Hell yeah. All right, Jerry, you, you want to get into scoops and poops real quick? Or scoops? just scoops? Sorry. Scoops. We're getting into scoops. Uh, every week, we, of course, uh, spend a little a moment to scoop into top eight. Uh, you know, the things that we appreciate for the week. So, Jerry, who do you want to scoop into top eight this week? Uh, I am going to scoop in. Oh, sorry. Did you say me or Rich? I, <laughs> I, I said Jerry, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was jumping the gun. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to scoop in our friends over at Eternal Dirtles for uh, their 200th episode. Had an absolute blast recording it with them last night, uh, and I wish them for 200 more. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, how about you, Rich? Who do you want to scoop in a tap eight this week? Uh, my partner's birthday was yesterday, and they just turned 30. So, and nice. we had a wonderful birthday, and I uh, would happily scoop them into top eight. So, fantastic. That's awesome. Excellent. Yeah, 30 is a big one. 30 is a big yeah. one. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> no way. I love being 35. I feel great. 30 is when your knees start to go, Pat. <laughs> I mean, if you suck, maybe, but like, I, I'm just awesome, you know, <laughs> I'm over here doing like full, full range of motion exercises to <laughs> keep my knees, uh, you know, uncreaky. <laughs> Jerry's ready to get those cortisone shots, you know, let's <laughs> straight, go, let's go straight into the kneecap, baby, Jerry's straight like, into the I, kneecap. I did talk to my doctor a couple months ago about getting some, t- getting on some TRT. So he's got to do blood work for me. But I'm like, give me the testosterone, man. I want it in me. I've actually, I've, it. I've been doing the roll on CBD oil. So I just I roll the CBD on my on my on my knees and that that's pretty nice. I don't know if it stops the pain, but it, it's pretty nice. <laughs> oh God, this is what I have to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. it's it's awesome. I love I love being my. I mean, I might not feel great when I'm 55, but I feel great at 35. I think it's awesome. Uh, and I'm gonna scoop in uh, uh Father Time because I'm aging like a fine wine, Jerry, and I feel <laughs> great about it. I'm I'm aging like a uh, avocado. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, an avocado that's been peeled and like it's already yeah. open. You ate half of it, but you don't you don't you don't need the other half. But you can't like stop it from going brown in the fridge. Yeah, hey, at least yeah. you had two days of being delicious. That's yes. true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's it's ninety five degrees out, and I'm an avocado <laughs> sitting on the bench. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on this week, Rich. It was great to talk to you, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime, we want to be back. I'm linking the uh, I'm linking your latest uh, CFB article in the uh, the show notes for everyone to check out and uh, hopefully they can keep up with you there. If they want to follow you on Twitter, what's your handle there? Um, Twitter.com slash learn to love 66. Okay, so awesome. That's what they can follow. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. We'll catch you all next week. Peace. Bye. Bye.